Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book, Betsy Tinboom, Promise of God, by Mike Evans, with permission from Time Worthy Books. And we are on Chapter 7. All too soon, summer came to an end, and school opened for my final year. I greeted it with mixed emotions. On the one hand, I had reached an important point in my life that gave me a sense of accomplishment. At the same time, many of the students in my class would move on to other pursuits, and I likely would never see them again. No one had seen Vincent in months, and I wondered what had become of him. Over the several years we had known him, we had never seen him as frequently in the summer as we did during the school year, but we had never before had a summer when we didn't see him at all. A few days before the term began, several girls from our class stopped by to see if I would be returning. During our conversation, someone said she had heard Vincent wouldn't be attending class, but I didn't think it was true. He might have gone the summer without seeing me, but he wouldn't have left school or town for good without saying goodbye. And sure enough, when I arrived for the first day of class, he was waiting with that big, wide, inviting smile of his, seated across from me in our classroom. For the first few months, Mama allowed me to attend school every day. I rose early to prepare and then walked the short distance from our house with William, Noli, and Corey, who was entering her first year of primary school. I enjoyed the few minutes we had together each morning, just the four of us without any adults around. Private moments like that were in short supply at our house. In the afternoon, Vincent, or one of our other friends, would sometimes join us for the walk home and even stay at the house for a while to visit. But in the morning, it was just us, and I liked that. As winter approached, however, Mama once again worried that I would contract some unspecific illness. The year was 1900, and it marked the dawn of the 20th century in Europe, a region beset with any number of diseases. Tuberculosis was always a threat, though we had plenty of exposure to that in our own home, and influenza posed a perennial risk to everyone particularly the elderly and people like me who had a chronic debilitating condition. Throughout October, Mama made my risk of sickness a topic of conversation every morning at breakfast. I assumed it was her way of wrestling with the issue, but as the month came to a close, she could stand it no more. Beginning in November, she kept me at home, and I did my lessons from the dining room. After my first week of absence, Vincent came to the house to check on me. We sat upstairs at the dining room and talked about the lectures that I'd missed in class. Discussing them with him was helpful, but once again, the anguish of my feelings for him and the prospect of a life lived on less than normal terms became an issue. He continued to come by, returning almost every day, and each visit followed the same routine. We studied upstairs for an hour or two, often over cake and coffee supplied by Aunt Anna, and then he would let himself out. I said goodbye from the top of the stairs with Mama and Aunt Annie always in sight. I did not want to repeat a time when he kissed me and I did my best to offer him no indication to the contrary. As the days passed, however, I sensed Vincent was growing frustrated with this arrangement. One day in December, as we were reviewing a history lesson, he glanced up from the book and looked at me squarely in the eyes. Something changed last year, he said. The comment came with no prompting from me and left me puzzled. What are you talking about? One minute we were playing cricket in the alley, laughing and having fun. Then you fainted and went off to Amsterdam. When you came back, you acted as if you didn't know me. What happened? 
I didn't act as if I didn't know you, I protested. Yes, you did. I tried to talk to you after you got back, and you hardly had a word to say. I leaned closer and lowered my voice to a whisper. Are you forgetting the kiss you gave me? That's just it, he said in a voice too loud for my comfort. One day you... Shh! I interrupted with my fingers to my lips. Everyone will hear you. I don't care if they hear me. Well, I do. He took a deep breath and began again, this time in a softer voice. That's just it. One day we're walking home from school together, playing, laughing, getting along just fine. If I'd kissed you then, you'd be strolling up the street on my arm right now. Instead, you act as if we're meeting to discuss the lessons because it's a part of an assignment. I didn't ask you to come, I said coldly. You chose to do that on your own. I don't care about that, he dismissed my response with a wave of his hand. I want to know what happened that things changed between us. Mama was in bed with one of her coughing spells, and Aunt Annie was in the kitchen, just across the hall from where we sat. She already knew everything that happened in the house, but I didn't want her listening to us while I explained things to Vincent. I stared at him in a moment, and thinking about what to do, and then I remembered the rooftop. In an instant, I grabbed his hand and stood. I gave his hand to tug. Come with me. With Vincent's hand firmly in my grasp, I led the way from the dining room to the stairway and up to the roof. It was cold outside, and snow was piled in the corners, but I ignored it. I turned to face him when we were by the chairs. You want to know what happened? This is what happened. I let go of his hand and folded my arms across my chest. I have a condition, a medical condition known as pernicious anemia. I know that, but... Hush. I snapped with a quick wave of my hand. I'm not finished. An amused grin turned up the corners of his mouth and he leaned against the back of Mama's wooden chair. Go ahead. Finish. While I was in Amsterdam being treated by Dr. Trump, I learned that bearing children... It was difficult for me to say those words... In our house, in those days, husbands and wives rarely discussed the topic, much less teenagers, and certainly not a girl with a boy. Vincent's mouth dropped open, and I felt my cheeks blush, but I ignored it and forced myself to continue. He wanted to know, and I was determined to tell him. Dr. Trump says that bearing children would put a strain on my body, so much that he warned me not to do it. Are you crazy? Vincent threw his hands on the air in a gesture of frustration. We shouldn't be talking about this. Somebody might hear us. No, we shouldn't be talking about it. I agreed. But you asked what happened, and I'm telling you. I didn't ask about that. You wanted an answer, and I'm giving to you. I took a deep breath and plunged ahead. So since I can't have children, I decided that I shouldn't marry either. But I'm not asking you to marry me. His voice was an octave higher than normal, and his face was twisted in an expression of incredulity. What are you talking about? Whatever you felt for me, it was strong enough to kiss me. Yeah, I didn't mean all of that. I, I didn't mean to offend you. I wasn't offended. I was flattered. And that's just it. If this keeps going, where will it end? And if it can't end in marriage, why let it go any further? The expression on his face softened. Who says it can't end in marriage? I do. That's what I'm telling you. I've made that decision. I'm not getting married. I'm not sure why we're having this conversation, he sighed. Should you be worrying about this now? If I don't worry about it now, I won't be able to control what happens later. I don't know, he shrugged. Aren't we too young to be worrying about children? I like you. I kissed you on the cheek because I like you. Shouldn't we just enjoy the moment? That's what everyone says. But a man would want children, and I can't have children. 
If I get married, I'll resist for a while, and then I'll relent. Then bad things will happen. And if that's so, there's no point in marrying. What I'm trying to tell you is there's no future in our relationship beyond friendship. Not another kiss, not a hug, not a romantic stroll at sunset. Just friendship? Just friendship, I nodded. Well, at least we have that. He pushed away from the chair and reached for my hand. Come on. What are you doing? Come on, he repeated. It's too cold for you to be out here, and we aren't finished with the history lesson we were working on. I pulled away. That's it? That's what? That's all you want to say? No, he grinned. I would kiss you again right now, but you already said we can't do that, so let's just go finish the lesson instead. We stood there a moment, staring at each other, and then we both burst out laughing. And right then, I wondered if I'd made a mistake, because suddenly I wanted to kiss him more than anything I ever wanted, and not just on the cheek. That spring, I graduated from secondary school from my class. Our teachers held a ceremony to hold the occasion, followed by a reception. Parents supplied the cake and coffee, and Vincent's aunt attended, but his mother was absent. And when I realized she wasn't there, I became curious. Surely any parent would be proud of a child attending an education and reaching such a mark in life. And so I decided to find out why she wasn't at the reception. Vincent was standing to one side with several boys from our class, all of them sipping coffee. As I approached, the others drifted away, leaving the two of us alone. As usual, Vincent greeted me with a smile. So he said, this is it. The end of the beginning, I suppose. You actually read the literature assignments, I replied playfully. His remark about the end of the beginning was an allusion to the quote from Seneca, an ancient Roman philosopher whose writings we briefly studied in class. Yes, and don't you think it's odd that with all the studying we did together this year, we never once discussed literature? Not really. Oh, why not? Literature is subjective. How you view a book could be very different from my own view, and both of us would still be right. I thought about it, but then I realized if we tried to study it together, all we would do is argue. I suppose. He was amused by my comment, and at the same time there was a sense of awkwardness about him that I had rarely seen. Normally he was the most confident boy in the class, but that day he seemed ill at ease and terribly out of place. So I began with a glance around the room. Which one is your mother? His eyes opened wide in a startled expression. Excuse me? Which one? I gestured to the adults gathered on the opposite side of the room. Which one is your mother? Uh, he looked away. She's not here. And suddenly I was embarrassed for asking. Sorry, I said meekly. I thought she'd be here. I touched his arm. I didn't mean to. No, he said, still not looking at me. It's okay. She's not been here for a long time. He raised his head and looked at me in the eye. And you're the first person I've admitted that to. Where is she? She left a few years ago. A few years ago? Yes, he nodded. After my father died, she drifted from job to job and from man to man, and then finally she found someone she liked and moved with him to Germany. I think she's living in Berlin now. You don't keep in contact with her? No, he shook his head, and she doesn't keep in touch with me either. My aunt is more a mother to me than my real mother ever was. All this time you've been living with your aunt, not just visiting her occasionally after school. He sighed. I should have told you before now, but I guess I wondered if you would still like me if you knew. Why would that affect how I felt about you? I don't know, he shrugged. I suppose I shouldn't, but sometimes things affect people in ways you didn't expect. 
Our eyes met, and he had a knowing look. And after you returned from Amsterdam and we talked on the roof, and all I had was your friendship, I didn't want to lose that, too. Tears filled my eyes as he spoke. I reached up to wipe them with my finger when my classmate joined us. He seemed not to notice my distress, and Vincent deftly turned him aside while I recovered. But I didn't think I ever recovered from that moment. When we were alone again, I took the conversation in a different direction. Will you be staying in town this summer? Yes, but only for the summer. I'm going to the University of Leiden in the fall. Oh, I exclaimed. This is the first I've heard of it. I didn't realize you were doing that. I want to study engineering. You'll be good at it. Thanks to your help with math, he grinned. You're good with math, I countered. You just needed a little encouragement. You're a good encourager. He took a sip of coffee. I was wondering, though, if we might write each other while I'm away at school. Nothing serious, he added quickly, just to keep in touch. Okay, I nodded, just to keep in touch. At home after supper that evening, Mom and I were doing the dishes. She washed, I dried, and put them away. I saw you talking to Vincent this afternoon, she mused as she handed me a plate. I had no idea where she was going with that comment, so I tried to divert her attention. Did you enjoy the reception? It was nice, but I noticed you were talking to him that you seemed on the verge of tears. My shoulders sagged. It was awful, Mama. What was awful? I asked about his mother, if she was there, and which one was she? And she wasn't there, Mama said, as a matter of fact. My mouth dropped open. You knew? Yes, she nodded. I thought you did, too. No. He said she went to Germany with her boyfriend. I think they're married now. Why didn't I know this? There's no reason to tell you. So you knew Vincent was living with his aunt all this time? Yes, Mama nodded. You would have known that, too, if you had been paying attention. I thought I was. Not everything is communicated with words. Sometimes the most important things are said by what is not said. He told me he was going to the University of Leiden. Did you know that? I heard he wanted to. Where did you hear that? From his aunt. He wants to write. He's your friend, she said with a smile. Why shouldn't he? I leaned against the counter. Do you think I made the right decision? About what? About, you know, not getting married and all that. That's not for me to say. Are you having second thoughts about him? I don't know, I sighed. You're always so serious. You say that if it's not a bad thing, it's not bad. But sometimes I think you do too much. I just don't want to make a mistake. I understand. That's a good thing. But being careful isn't always the answer. So how do I know if I made the right decision? If you pray and ask, God will show you. I had been praying but it seemed I never received an answer. Still, I took Mama's suggestion as a prompting to try again. So that evening, before going to bed, I prayed and asked God to show me if I had made the correct decision about my future. The next morning, I awakened to a bright, sunny day. I threw back the covers, walked to the window, and pushed back the curtains. Across the street, the sun was just rising over the buildings, and I watched it a moment as it rose higher and higher. As I turned away, my eyes caught a glimpse of something red. I looked again and saw the tulips blooming in the window box outside my window. The bulbs Corey and I had planted the year before, the ones that grew but never bloomed, remained in the box all winter. They came up again in the spring, but I put them out of mind, knowing they wouldn't have any flowers. But now here they were, blooming and beautiful, contrary to the prior experience and everything Mama told me about gardening. A smile spread across my face, and I stood there staring at the tulips for a long time, 
Those blooms were a sign, I was certain, an answer from God to my prayer the night before. Confidence welled up inside of me. I felt alive and free. However troubling it might be now, I had made the correct decision regarding Vincent and whether or not to marry. My path to the future was set, and now it was time to move forward into whatever was next. Well, that's the end of Chapter 7, and next week will be Chapter 8. I love you, I'm praying for you, and bye-bye for now.